Hello, ladies. The Big Balboski here. And right now, you're listening to the Matt Madness Podcast. They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. They talking all of they talking all of they Dearly beloved, <laughs> we meet here today to celebrate the life and grieve the loss of Enzo Amore and Big Cass. They swept into our lives in 2014 as arguably the most entertaining tag team in wrestling. They fizzled out just as quickly in 2018 as they have now both departed from our lives. We wish them well. And we wish them all the best in future endeavors. Uh, my name is Enzo Amore, <laughs> and I am a certified G and a bona fide stud. And you can't teach that. And this right here, this is Big Cass, and he's seven foot tall, and you can't teach that. Bada boom, realest guys in the room. How you doing? Not too well. If your name is Enzo Amore or Big Cass, there's only one word to describe you, and I'm going to spell it out for you. S-A-W-F-T. Soft. Oh, yes. (laughs) They're gone. Uh, We loved both of these guys a couple years ago. I know at least some of us, I can't speak for everyone, kind of hated both of them by the end. Um... So, I don't know. Anybody have anything to say about Enzo and Cass now that they are not with us anymore? Did you hear um, Enzo on Austin's show? I will never listen to it, no. It was fantastic. It, it was good. I, I, not not breaking kayfabe, <laughs> I think you should listen to it. It, <laughs> it clears things up, and it kinda, you kinda, you'll kind of look at Enzo in a different way. He, you'll still find him annoying. Could you? Yeah. You'll find him annoying still. The stuff he, it doesn't take away the other stuff he did and how corny he was or whatever, but you have a different look on him as listen to that. Honestly. Yeah, before we go any further, I did a little different intro. I do want to let everyone know who's here. <laughs> I'm your host, Ron Pashery. I'm here with my good friend, Mr. Sexy Punakana, the now forever C.K. Joe Rodermill. Loving to live and living to love. <laughs> I am here with Preptagon Jr., Josh Prepiguina. What up, what up? I'm here with Mr. Wednesday Night Live, Alo Aaron Lloyd. A little later in the show, we will have an interview with former NXT superstar, former Mae Young Classic participant, Zeta Zhang, so stick around for that. Someone was a little smitten. <laughs> yeah, I think I think almost everybody is at this point. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts on Enzo and Cass now that they're both gone? Their time in the spotlight was... There was no time in the spotlight. <laughs> Enzo and Cass, arguably, probably my favorite NXT tag team ever when it comes to that run. But Enzo, you were a fantastic heel. I legitimately hated you. (laughs) And Big Cass, you sucked. You needed Enzo. You had no chance after you guys broke up. I'm never happy that someone loses their job, but Enzo... You were probably a dick. Just because you were let go doesn't mean that you were innocent. So, eat it. <laughs> so, eat raps, it. so eat raps it. suck. Big cast, I hope I never see you at an indie show. Because I will be 
the IWC to the IWC. Yeah, and I don't know how much anyone listens to the lyrics of these songs, but based on his entrance music, Enzo, you're soft and you're sloppy, and they call me Poppy, not you. Um, and being soft is a sin. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, I, both guys, I believe, have been either kicked off of the bus or kicked out of the locker room. So that tells you a lot about what you need to know about these two guys. I know you really don't like Big Cass because of his political <laughs> team. Fact. <laughs> uh, I actually had forgotten about that in his absence. And then I got all wrapped up in it because I was doing the whole bit where Big Cass was the big return at the same time as Daniel Bryan. And he was stealing the spotlight from Daniel Bryan. But Which, again, they took from us. They did. Um yeah, I think where they really went wrong is they built these guys up like they were huge superstars, but they never gave them the responsibility of being champions. No. And I think if they maybe got to be champions, maybe there's a chance they would say, okay, we have to... They always got close, but never got it. Yeah. Like, and maybe we have to carry ourselves a certain way, and they never had to do that. Enzo did touch on that on Austin's talk show to talking to Triple... The reason Triple H didn't put the NXT tag titles on him because Enzo... Because he thought... Enzo would ultimately get himself in trouble if he put him if he did put. So he was worried. His head is gigantic already. He's going to be off the rails if I put him in a prominent place. They have these people. (laughs) Yeah, as a champion. Yeah, and then Enzo was talking about even despite what the report said, Vince did like Enzo because Enzo, even as a cruiserweight, got more time than almost anybody on television. Yeah, they they gave him more than enough opportunity. And they tried to do the same thing with Cass, so clearly they believed in him. But I think ultimately they were both probably more trouble than either one of them was worth. Um, Wrestling at this level is a skill set, and you can't teach that. No, apparently. you can't. <laughs> it, was a, it was really eye-opening. Like Enzo knowing that that's how Triple H felt still went off the rails. Right. Like, not let me prove that I can be a good soldier, but... Let me just show that he's exactly right, that I'm as big of a dickhead as he thinks I am. It's crazy, and he was, he was le- like, so over. And then just to toss it away, like, that, he wasn't going to last. Well, I was a big fan of him coming up in NXT, the tag team. I thought they would be re- revitalization to the tag team up on, on the Raw. They didn't really get many time, and their act kind of got old real quick. Well, we all were big fans. Like, I remember the first time I saw Enzo Cast was at, um the TV taping at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, and I was with Ron, and the TakeOver Brooklyn card, it wasn't star-studded, but I was like, okay, hopefully, I saw the TV taping card, I was like, okay, I get to see everybody I want to see, and they opened the show with Enzo and Cass, and I, I lost In it. their backyard. And yeah, I <laughs> lost it, and it was just a great feeling, like, I've never really wanted to do a chant, maybe more, maybe the New Age Outlaws chant, more than I ever wanted to do the, the Enzo and Cass chant with them, but they were over, it's just, I don't know what happened in WWE, I remember the night at the WrestleMania 33, they got booed. <laughs> they, they got booed against the bar, and that was the downfall from, from there for them. They yeah. were over. Now they really are over. <laughs> they are literally over. Uh, Alo, how weird is it, though, that he got sent home from that very same arena? Yeah. When he got sent home, it was also the Barclays Center. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite memories from like starting to get back into wrestling was them opening the first NXT show at the Tower. Um like, waiting to get there, I was actually with my, my buddy Phil, who a couple of you have met, a couple a couple people haven't that are involved in the show. But Phil hadn't really watched NXT. 
Actually, no, the first night I was there with Laugh and Eck. It was the first time Eck and Laugh were seeing them, and I could not wait for them to come out. It was like, I was so excited they came out first. Crowd was on fire when they came out. Match was great. Um, and I found them thoroughly entertaining, and then just over the course of the last year, they lost me. Um, obvious reasons, I don't think either one of them is probably that great of a person. I think they both thought they were better and more important than they were. And I'm glad, like, I actually, I, I will miss Enzo for one thing. He gave me an excuse to fast forward 15 minutes of Raw every week that I don't get the Raw opportunity gives, to. Raw anymore. gives you enough <laughs> opportunities to fast forward. That's true. On their, um, on their own. That's true. So I will, from here, we will close the book on Enzo Amore and Big Cass. I'll say it one more time. Oh, yes. Can't do it. My throat is too dry. Um,. James Ellsworth is back. <laughs> he has returned. No one's probably more excited about this than you. He's no one. <clears throat> no one is more excited about it than me. He comes out as Asuka to inter- interfere in the Carmella match. I mentioned it on our last show two weeks ago that I was hoping he would interfere in the match. Um, he actually did Asuka's entrance at an indie show over the weekend last week, which I thought was great that they let him do that. He came out this week on SmackDown as Asuka. And I enjoyed every second of his promo on SmackDown. I loved... Duh. (laughs) I loved how heavy he put Carmella over. I loved him saying Asuka wasn't ready for Ellsworth. (laughs) Um, His interaction with Paige I thought was great. I loved it. Um, Paige continues to shine as GM of SmackDown. How was she looking? And she looked good. 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 Um, Real good. He has a match next week with Asuka, so he's jumping right back into having a match with a woman. I'm thoroughly excited about it. When he said Beyonce, or when he said Carmella was better than Beyonce, <laughs> this dude is great. I missed him. <laughs> I, I'm so excited that he's back. I uh, heard that they brought him back just to defend Carmella against Big Cass. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone could do it, it's it, is, it is Ellsworth. It is pretty Jimmy. Jimmy. <laughs> He'd give him some no chindy music. Elsewhere. No, I, I love it. I'm so happy. Is, any, is anybody else excited that he's back, or do you guys not really care? That that Money in the Bank spot was so good. It was so <laughs> excellent and well put together. I was like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. And we did we did the next the, the following on SmackDown was great, but this week was great saying Paige was trying to get it, take him on a date. <laughs> Yeah, next week, yeah. yeah. The, the confidence he had, like, oh, I know why you're out here. You're trying to take me out on a date. And then when she says yes, he's like, wait, really? You are? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then what, what did he say about um his sex life or something like that? Uh, I don't remember. It was a great line. It was so great. I, I cannot remember exactly what he said. He's like, that's always booming or something Yeah, it was like something that. like that. Or on fire. Yeah, I think but, something along those lines. But I, I don't think he's around for the long haul. I think it's just... For this program with Oscar, because what I think is going to happen is I think Oscar's. I mean, I think Ellsworth is going to end up teaming with Carmella facing Oscar in a handicap match, and Oscar's going to beat James <laughs> to become the women's champion. That's what I think that's going to happen. But I'm glad to see him back because we, we talked about SmackDown's been lagging for a long time now, and every segment doesn't have to hit, but it's kind of you have to hit more positive than negative. And he was one of the bright spots of SmackDown for us. Throughout most of most of the inception of it, so I'm glad he's back for now. But I don't think he's there full time. I just think he's there for this program because he's not on the active roster. He's still listed in the alumni. 
Yeah, honestly, he ne- he never should have left in the first place. He should have been there to pay off the Carmella Money in the Bank story. He was a key part of the story. They never should have let him go when they did. I think he should be there full time, but I'm even if he's only there for another three weeks, I'm thrilled. You'll for take this. what you can get. Yeah, I'm thrilled for this five weeks that I get him. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about Su- it. Such a range of emotions this week, going from a death of a tag team to the rebirth of the, mm-hmm. of the resurrection of James Ellsworth. <laughs> such a range. Yeah, it really is. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but after that match, I saw some talk on social media about people saying it was stupid to have that happen to Asuka. She looked stupid. She looked bad. She's not special anymore. Um, the way I look at it is and I mentioned this a few times on the show, wrote about it for TJR. Brian Gerard James has famously said, wins and losses don't matter, character matters. And I kind of roasted him for that, saying, for certain people, wins and losses matter. But when certain people lose, you just say, oh, their character is all that matters. I was a little bit misguided in the way I approached saying he was wrong, because I do think character matters more than wins and losses. The problem is... Most of the characters are not good. They don't invest in them. They don't build them. They don't make them compelling. And maybe Asuka has lost a little bit of her luster over the last month. But the second they do something interesting with her... It's right back. Yeah, people are going to forget. Rusev. Did anybody really care about Rusev until Rusev Day started? And now he's the most over thing in the company because they found an interesting thing to do with him. He hasn't won a title. He's the number one contender now. He but doesn't have to win anything. He's still what people pop for. They cheer for him. Yeah. How long has Rusev Day been going on? Two almost months? A, no. Almost a year. Really? Yeah. I think it would be a year because he was streaming with Orton. So I think it will be a year A year in August or September. It's almost knocking on a year. Okay. So if we say 10 months, he didn't get anything really until getting this number one contendership for 10 months. And he's been over all that time. So Asuka is not ruined. Asuka is not destroyed. She's not not special anymore. As soon as they find something interesting for her to do or get a good story for her to be in, and maybe it's this story still, people will like her just as much, if not more, as they, they always did. It's just a matter of finding the right thing for someone to do. Yeah, but to... Um, and running with it. To... Come to defense of Brian Gerard. Well, to the IWC. This 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 is the first time. This is this doesn't happen all the time. Okay. I didn't like the way they made Oscar look because if Oscar lost by roll up, which is even though it's typical, that would have worked better, I think. But the whole fact of her like kicking out of Carmelo's roll up and then she seems James Elder, she screams, "Why are you screaming?" <laughs> that, that was that really bothered me. And then it's, it was essentially Oscar's first pinfall loss ever. To Carmella, and was just off a plain kick. I said, I'm not complaining about that. I just I, my problem was with with how they made her look with the whole screaming thing. Like, why are you screaming at him? screaming at him? Like, that was for all you know. That's just her reaction. This is they said this is what's going to happen. No, but and she her, reacted. No, but moment. her screaming wasn't like right away. It was later into the whole thing. So like she already saw him and stuff. So my thing was like that that should have been a first reaction and caused the loss there, not. That long into that, that, that long into that segment, segment in the match. Yeah, I mean, looking through a microscope, it might at this very moment affect Oscar, but long term, it doesn't. You can, like, like my colleague said, you could turn that around very easily um, tomorrow night. 
I mean, it, they almost save themselves by based on just how afraid Carmella and James Ellsworth are of her. Because they're both afraid of her still. To me, that goes a long way, that they can sell her as still being someone to be afraid of. What do you think, Prep? I didn't like it. <laughs> I understand your excitement, mm-hmm. and I want to give you that time to like, <laughs> be excited for James Ellsworth. I knew this was going to happen, uh-huh. but I didn't like it at all. I hated how Asuka looked. I would have much rather her like lost by or won by disqualification yeah, or, or just, something else. Or the roll-up, the initial or, roll-up. Yeah, happened. just get rolled up. No biggie, like a fluke win. Well, the but, question was, do you like how it unfolded? Is, does it really affect Asuka's character? I think she's like being becoming just another person on the roster. Like We had this character that could have been so special. And she's not. She's just not special. Yeah, and then I, after she lost to Charlotte, like, Charlotte being an Oscar was a special moment. And I said after that happened, how do you book Oscar from there? Like, as far as pinfall-wise, like, they changed ta- the rules of tag team wrestling after <laughs> WrestleMania just because Oscar, quote-unquote, lost a tag team match but wasn't pinned, but now they count it as a loss, loss against Oscar's record. But how, how do you go forward with booking her after that? And... Her losing kind of like that. So I didn't like the finish at all, just similar to prep. But like I said, like how do you book her? Like she was undefeated so long, and now she's just dropping a pinfall. Yeah, like this past week on SmackDown, I didn't miss her. I tell you who I did miss. I miss Charlotte. Like Oscar's just another person now. Like she's not as important as Mandy Rose or Sonya Deville. I would argue she's more important than those two, at least, at the very least. I mean, they're, that's something I want to see more on TV than I'd want to see Manny, Manny Rose's stock candy, which is fine. <laughs> do you yeah, agree, they, though, that if they just find something good for her to do, it kind of yeah, throws that right she'll out she'll the be window. right back. But for, and for me, like, I'd much rather watch people develop on TV. Like, I'd rather see Asuka every so often in a match. Like, she doesn't... She could have been... Ronda Rousey, like, without the cachet of having the UFC, like... Right. She could have been a... a spectacle. Like, she she could be female Brock Lesnar, but instead she's just another girl. Also, is there a case to be made that this is just part of WWE signing too many people? And a lot of times they will use someone for the benefit of someone they're more invested in. Like, they may be just more invested in Carmella. Carmella's story is what's important right now. And Carmella can say, I beat Charlotte Flair twice, and I beat Asuka, and that's just the role that they have for Asuka to help elevate Carmella, and they don't care about her beyond that. I can't really get behind Carmella too much. I mean, it's not that it's bad. It's not that I don't like what she does, but it's just not, I don't feel it the way I would some of the other women wrestlers. I like it. They... The way they booked her made me like her, like so. So yeah, it's one of those things. Like if, if Oscar had the same push, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, I, and for me, I get why people are bothered by the finish. Obviously, I cared way more about my hero being back. It overshadowed. <laughs> than I did about else. the finish of that individual. Just when you match. thought you could never wear the shirt again. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very excited that he's back. Um, I won't waste anyone else's time, any more of your time, gushing about James Ellsworth. Prep, I know this is something you will want to sink your teeth into, but for all my doubts, 
for all my concerns, for all my reservations. You finally like Kyle O'Reilly? No. <laughs> Just you like Roddy Straw? No. No. <laughs> Ronda Rousey is a star in <laughs> WWE. She's a star in wrestling. The first things first, the downfall she suffered in UFC, like she was the story of UFC for a couple years. And then the downfall she had was unfortunate. She kind of fell out. Two downfalls. With WWE, they can tell that story any way they want now. So she doesn't have to worry about that downfall. I thought her match with Nia Jax was great. We had a lot of concern about her being on her own in a match. Her selling was great. Favorite match on the show. Yeah. She, it was far more impressive than I thought it was going to be. I yeah. Mean, even she, her wrestling ability was awesome. She get, she got sympathy. Like, how how often do we talk about someone can't get sympathy from the crowd? She got it. We, we talked about it when she flopped out of the ring at one point. When she got thrown over the table after the match... You legitimately felt sorry for her. I'm digging those judo throws too. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I like that she sold like the picking because throws like that are all in technique. But she sold like, damn, this chick is like humongous. Right. <laughs> yeah. Love the match. The segment with Alexa I thought was great. I thought that was awesome. That was five star. Yeah, and another another thing I really liked, um, when she was about to leave and Renee Young was interviewing her and she said, you know, I'm sorry. And Rhonda basically said, like, you know, be sorry for her because in a month I'll be back, like, kicking her ass, basically. And it's a small thing, and it may not have resonated for other people, but, like, somebody told me one time, like, bad news doesn't get better with age. And, like, I think we could all attest to maybe we got a phone call we didn't want to answer and somebody leaves a voicemail. And you just never answer it because you're, like, you don't feel like dealing with what you know is on the voicemail. Or you don't call somebody back because you know what they want to talk about, and just because, and basically you think if I don't if I don't do it, it's not happening. It, it never really happened. But you eventually do have to deal with it, and it's no easier. In fact, most times it's more difficult. I love the idea that basically this is Alexa delaying the inevitable of she's going to get her ass kicked by Ronda Rousey. Like, may have to wait a little more, but it's going to happen. My favorite part of this, I'm sorry to cut you okay, off. Okay. My favorite okay. part of this is the fact that Ronda Rousey on Instagram is posting yes. like how many days she sees Alexa. Day. Yeah, I did not see day. that, but I love every it. Day is, every day is a new picture from that segment of her beating up Alexa. That's <laughs> awesome. Dear Ronda, I've been a fan. I had my doubts. You're proving me wrong, which I'm happy about because I was a fan. So... Kudos to you. <laughs> yeah, in WWE, um, I got to give it to these Hollywood writers for once. But <laughs> one and only time. Please. One and only time. <laughs> they don't, <laughs> I don't know who's behind this, but this is like basic storytelling. Like, I love what they did. I didn't expect Alexa to cash in that night. I was, I was expecting like maybe Ron to just clear, clear, cleanly win. But... Perfect storytelling, and Alexa Bliss is the perfect person to foil Ronda Rousey's plans. Even, like, the segment on Raw the next night was fantastic, how Alexa called her an overrated rookie and just rubbing it in her, it in her face. I thought all that was awesome. <laughs> so good. Alexa even, is fantastic. Even, yeah. though, even though the IWC has turned on Alexa Bliss. Oh, have they? they, they Why they, is that? They're calling her the new Roman Reigns. Oh, come on. Shut up. Yeah, I mean, so we got to find her, a new example. Yes. When they all liked Alexa Bliss, we could say, well, Alexa Bliss didn't have an indie. Maybe it's our fault. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. We informed yeah. everyone that she yeah, didn't yeah. have an indie career. The, the IWC hates Alexa Bliss now. And, um, well, Alexa Bliss has had, actually had some meaningful title reigns, so she's far better than Roman Reigns. Yeah, but they're comparing them to they're comparing them. But you, I try to fight these people. I tell them, like, look, it's wrestling. It happens. It, it always it's always been that way. It, it's never going to change. Everybody doesn't always have a turn. It's not like that. And I, I say, if you want. If they book the show to what everybody wants, it'll be a different show every week, and that's not that's not good television. But yeah, they're comparing her to Roman Reigns because she's been champion five times, and I said before she dropped the title, she was champion for almost a full year except for three weeks. Isn't Charlotte more Roman Reigns than yeah, Alexa Bliss? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, but th- 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 this is why I hate the IWC. But she's the difference between her and Roman, she's has a f- her character has stayed to, true to the character, the entire time she's been on the main roster, and even though she gets cheered, she's still a heel, and she gets a reaction, and she's qu- she could qu- qu- turn on you just like that. But and she can turn the crowd just like exactly. That. That's the point. She can turn and the she crowd has quality just like matches. That. Yeah, and people say, "Well, she stinks in the ring." Like, she's is she the best? No, she's but she, fine, she's though. not she, the worst. I know she's serviceable. She's fine, and she she's does the job. Serviceable. Yeah, exactly. I would say that's like saying Roman Reigns is. Oh my god. Yeah, it's like saying Roman Reigns is serviceable. I know. I'm saying. I say. I'm saying people are like, well, well, WWE the wrestling has to matter. I'm like, it's WWE the wrestling has always matter. Have you seen Hulk Hogan? Have you seen Justin <laughs> Warren? Wrestling has always matter. It's the characters. Stop arguing with me about this. I would say it's a, it's a, it's an even parts, even parts mixture of the wrestling and the character and the story. Yeah, it, it is. But the one thing, without the other does just doesn't work. Yeah, I but mean, we've seen it time and time again. Yeah, no, I try, try. Well, I, well, I, try, I try to get these people to listen to the show. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, keep, I keep trying to tell them, look, WWE is a, is a sports entertainment show. It's character-driven. It's not always about the moves of WWE. Everybody can't do all the moves. It's about the characters. If you want to go to the moves, go watch New Japan. Or go watch Ring of or Bullet, Club, Bullet, Bullet Club of Honor. Do that. <laughs> I mean, one of the best arguably in-ring competitors out there these days, Dolph Ziggler, do you care about him? He has no solid character. We'll he has a title right now. I don't care. They're low-key telling a very good story with Dolph Ziggler. I said low-key. I didn't say hi. Yeah. And I can't wait to get to that. <laughs> low-key. Because, because there's something else in that program that I am very excited for. Yeah, well, it's missing me because I'm still fast-forwarding every time I see Dolph. No, it's going to um, it's gonna get there. <laughs> Trust me, you're, you're going to care. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm willing to care, but for now, I look at it like especially the last couple weeks – had surgery, have been recovering, and I'm like, I only have so much energy, I only have so much time. WWE is not going to get but the least amount of time I could possibly get away with giving them for right now. As an avid Sixers fan, mm-hmm. you should have more than enough time for the answer. <laughs> <laughs> the answer, oh my god, I still can't believe that. Um, yeah, I, Alexa, she does the job she has to do in the ring. Her matches, is she putting on a classic every time she's out there? She's not, but the matches that she has are enjoyable, and there's at least some meaning to it. And her promos are great? Always. They're always great. She always gets a rise out of the crowd, gets a rise out. Like, she makes you believe that her opponent wants to knock her out. And I love that she's now the target of Ronda Rousey. I knew going in on, like, Aaron, that that match between Ronda and... um, Nia wasn't going to play out that way. I knew there wasn't going to be a clean finish no matter how. I figured someone from the, the money in the bank. I didn't see Alexa coming in and winning. I didn't think she was going to be the one money in the bank, so I was kind of wrong there. I'll take that, though, because it's a good turnabout. And now we got this program where Ronda, um, what they're doing right is they're not overexposing Ronda. They're keeping her off TV. Now they have a reason to have her off for like a month because she's suspended. They're, they're playing it well, and they're mm-hmm. giving her time to develop. 
Yeah, uh, just in the... Because remember the first time we saw her do a Samoan drop? And we were like, oh no, this is going to go terribly. She has come so far just in these few months. Uh, I mean, you could see she's definitely a world-class athlete. She maybe didn't take to... Well, maybe she did. I was going to say she didn't take to it as quickly as Kurt Angle. But, like, I'm assuming Kurt Angle probably put in more time before he was on WWE TV than she has. How great are her strikes? For someone who wasn't known as a striker, her strikes... I felt bad for those refs. One of the first conversations we had on this show about it was she doesn't need to do the strikes anymore. And it's like a strength for her now. As long as she doesn't do the, like, karate block thing, (laughs) I'm fine. The only thing, the only complaint I have about her, and you guys might not even care, is the the smiling. It's too much for me. I hope that when she does get... A, her hands on Alexa the next time she doesn't come out. Well, with she a did kind of she did kind of tune it down for the uh, promo and raw when she put her Alexa through the table. Yeah, well, I sure hope so. After what happened that Sunday. Yeah, I I definitely get your point with the smiling because it was one of the issues I had with Nia Jax when she was first starting on NXT. The only reason I'm giving her a pass on it is we've talked about this before. Her previous like two years was so rough for her, like. People, it's like they they said in Batman, like, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. She was, like, the thing, and then she got dragged all the way down. People saying awful things about her. People saying, you know, like, I hope she kills herself and stuff like that. She went through so much in those two years for her to get this payoff of people are cheering for me. People are happy to see me. I'm doing something I'm enjoying doing. I'm giving her a pass on the smiling for now. But I do think when we see her again, especially if you're telling me she's building it up on social media, when we see her come back, you're just going to see the Ronda walk down to the ring. I truly believe we won't see her eating up the reaction from the crowd. I think we just get the, the you know, the walk down the ramp. I think that's all we're going to get. I can't wait. Yeah, and, the, and the perfect part is her suspension, I believe, ends the night after Extreme Rules. Okay. Or close to it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I know people are complaining you might that she see was on right a house show. pay-per-view match. <laughs> Might see a Possibly. Match. No, you might see it right after the pay yeah. match. She I know some fans were complaining that she was competing at a house show. Yes, yeah, she did. did <laughs> but WWE justify it with she's fulfilling her contractual yeah. <laughs> duties. I like that they like, did that. Yeah, but like, who cares? It's a house show. Yeah, yeah. Her suspension like over, Ju- over July 16th. Okay. It's World Wrestling Entertainment. Monday Night Raw. Joey, are you. Has she exceeded your expectations at this point? Above and beyond. I mean, there, there there was some hesitation, mainly because I thought they were going to throw her up there and give her the title, like it looked like they might have, but they played it right. So they've given her the time. She's put in the time, and I like the way they developed her so far. Yeah, definitely. She's exceeded. As much as I like this Ronda Rousey chick, <laughs> Ronda Rousey chick. Great way to put it. Yeah, it's, I'm going to tell you who I like more that has the initials RR. Who's that? Roman, Roman Reigns. Reigns. <laughs> well, it was next in my notes. Can I say how much I love this Bob Lashley thing? <laughs> I, I he, can, he cannot say Bob enough for me. He can never say it too much. Like it is. I love it. Every second of it. Well, Bob. <laughs> I have an Elroy versus the boys. Oh, yeah? Oh, God. Yes. Well, let's hear it. So, 
I'm scrolling through Wrestle Page on Instagram, which is a page I follow, and they had the promo between from this week between Lashley and Roman Reigns mm-hmm. that clip up, and I saw somebody write, "They're both terrible on the mic," which really got under my skin because if they think that they're terrible on the mic, which I think they're serviceable, like Bobby Lashley isn't very good, but he's not awful. Like I thought he did pretty good this this week. This week, yeah. The, but the week before that, like he had that little flub, which to me wasn't a big deal. But if if somebody wants to complain about it, I get it. Right. But this week, I thought they were actually pretty good. Yeah. How dare they say that they're terrible on the mic when the Universal Champ Brock Lesnar can't say three words on the mic. Like he might be the worst talker that's been a long like a long reigning champion ever. Even Randy Orton is light years better than him. And I yeah, hate Randy and Orton. And Randy Orton's not good on the mic, like anymore. Anymore, <laughs> yeah. Brock Lesnar's awful. Bobby Lashley serviceable. Roman Reigns. Very good. How good was it when he came at uh, the revival two months ago? <laughs> I <Our> love teamwork. Our <laughs> Canadian teamwork. I love the revival, and you guys know that. Yeah. But I popped for that huge. That was great. Do you think that was an ad lib, or do you think they knew that was coming? Oh no, that was an ad lib. Sure. Like <laughs> our teamwork, our continuity. I, I rewound it. I don't rewind often when I'm watching Raw. I rewound that like seven or eight times. Fantastic. This is why he is the guy. Because <laughs> things like that that make me and Ron laugh. <laughs> do, you, do you think that they're finally trusting him to like let him go a little more? Do you think maybe him kind of falling down a couple pegs? They're not so on his back about things. Like, What do you attribute? Because these last couple weeks he has been unbelievably entertaining. And you can't... Not through his fault, but you can't say that every week. So, like, what do you think maybe the difference is? I think that they're giving him something that he's liked to do. Like, he, he's been in the champion. He's been, like, with the same people for a while now. And not that Lashley is great, but he's a new opponent for him. And he's someone that he knows that Vince cares about, so he wants to perform well with him. So that's why I think that he's exceeding. Like... We eventually know what's going to happen. Like, Do we really, though? <laughs> we have a good idea. We have a good idea. But for me, I feel like this has him motivated to do better. He's bringing back the beard, which mm-hmm. I like. <laughs> so, As yours might part ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, propel. Well, I can't, I can't compete with his. So I got to so get rid of it. It's, it's beard shaming is yep, what it's, it's what's exactly. going on here. I can see a lot of beard shaming. Yeah, uh, I will say, though, I'm happy. The, the crowd at least partially is into what he's saying, more so than they've been in a while. I thought they went into that whole thing between him and Lashley. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they turned the crowd around because it was like clear booze when mm-hmm. Roman came out, and then when they started going back and forth, they were cheering the guys on. I, I was entertained by it, mainly because like, I saw this segment come in, and I, I was thinking of laugh, and how he said... This guy Lashley is off. <laughs> he's shutting him. He's off <laughs> for a, for like a solid month. Every question he asked on the show was prefaced, or it was either prefaced or ended with Lashley blows. <laughs> and there wasn't at that point there wasn't much I could say. Like I tried to sell so hard, but after these last two or three weeks, 
I can confidently say that he's a good he's good like I watched intently they're giving him some yeah. better 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 things to work with other than his sisters try and to tell me how he's like bad now laugh <laughs> I, my guess is the big critique will be in ring um, which he's still good he's not great you can see he messes up like yeah. because he's still getting used to that style but I did like that subtle line that uh Roman said when he said where you didn't make an impact. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 that was great. You know, I really want him. I really want him to say no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he. I don't know if that if he even knew. I don't know if he said that on purpose. Does he even I know what impact if, is? I was gonna say I don't know if he just kind of fell into that. Yeah, he just kind of <laughs> fell in his lap. Because I was wondering that too. Like, did he say impact on purpose? The one reason they wouldn't have said no pun intended is. is Personally, because I think that they're getting a sweet deal on using the GWN footage mm. for like these uh, documentaries coming up, so that's why it's like, all right, well, we don't want to piss these guys off. They're probably giving it for like ten cents on the dollar for us to use the footage. So. Yeah, so they're not going out of their way to insult them. Exactly is what you're saying. <laughs> Slight backhand. Yeah, uh, but it's been excellent. I've thoroughly enjoyed the segments between those two. And you guys all know I was not real high on Bobby Lashley coming back. Bob. Bob Lashley coming back. <laughs> I came on here and every week, like, nope, he still sucks. But I actually enjoyed this. I'm actually looking forward to it. And I think Roman is going to get a really good match out of him. And if the segments keep building the way they are, I think we're going to have actually like a really good program with these two guys too. Is there a chance that they are building Bob to knock off Brock? Like, is because I don't want that to happen. I would say not now. I don't. I don't, I don't so. know. That's the thing. Like Prep said, we it's kind of clear what's going to happen. I'm not so sure if Bobby Lashley will be. Because I'm assuming, like, I'm assuming your thing is you know what's going to happen in that Roman Reigns is going to get another shot at Brock. Yeah. You're on the same page with Joey. Yeah, because Roman Reigns is the guy. <laughs> well, they're building it up with his the way he's, he's just cutting into Brock. You know, he's never there. Not a good title holder. I'm this guy. I, I do all this. They're kind of building that. Again, could you get a triple threat with Bob? Bob thrown in there? Yeah. <laughs> it's true though. He is like a legitimate MMA fighter. So what he like he wasn't lying when he says I'm the only one with the true tools. Like, let them fight. <laughs> Can you imagine that? The Universal title becomes an MMA match. <laughs> God, Brock would kill him. Yeah, I think so, too. Because Lashley was not... Like, he wasn't bad, but he didn't lose in Bellator. It wasn't terrible. No, but he was not... Like, Brock was legitimately, at least for a bit, a high-level UFC heavyweight. And Bob was not that. I wonder why WWE didn't let Lashley do a, like keep his Bellator contract. They just signed nine figures for a mobile app to stream events. Did they really? Nine figures. Wow. Well, good for them. Um, anything else on Roman Reigns? He's fantastic. It is time to go to the phone for our interview. So now we have with us on the line Zeta Zhang, formerly of NXT, uh, participant in the Mae Young Classic. Uh, we are very happy to have her on the show. Uh, Zeta, how are you tonight? Hey, good. Just got out of training, so, you know, going well. <laughs> yeah, uh, a real quick story you've never heard before. Uh, we had Flip Gordon on not too long ago, and we caught him right after training, and he fell asleep. So we had to wait for him oh, to, to wake up from a nap before we got him on. So we credit you for being able to stay awake directly after training. Uh, <laughs> the first question I want to ask you, I, I heard you mention in another interview 
I believe you said you were training with Greg Jackson, and somehow someone mentioned the idea of getting into pro wrestling. Uh, would you mind kind of talking us through how that all played out? Okay, so I have a few friends who train at Greg Jackson's. I went there to visit and did a few, like a couple weeks of training out there on two different occasions. Mm-hmm. And when I was out there, I met the writer for Fight Magazine, and she interviewed a fighter from 1FC who fought against Brandon Vera. Okay. And he added me on Facebook because we have a bunch of mutual friends, but I've never even met this dude, and he's never talked to me. He didn't even <laughs> talk to me for, like, four years after he added me. Really? And yeah, I know it's just so random out of nowhere he hits me up one day and he goes hey i've been watching you train and i think you'd be great for wwe if you want to try out let me know and i was like what yeah (laughs) (laughs) went through the tryout got through and bam ended up in wwe (laughs) okay so now did you have like a prior interest in wwe or was it something you ever thought about or something you were a fan of before that yeah so when i was a kid when i was like three four years old my grandma was the one that got me into it so okay <laughs> yeah it's funny grandparents like, are good that way <laughs> <laughs> yeah my grandma was all about it she was there like <laughs> screaming at the tv and stuff and at the time like my grandma my grandma never knew english and at the time i didn't know english either so i really didn't understand what i was watching right I just knew that it was something my grandma loved watching, so I loved watching it, and it was interesting to me. And I've had an interest in it. It's just I never believed that it would ever be a thing for me because (laughs) at the time, I never played sports. I was very quiet, shy, art girl, just sat at home and drew all day type of person. And um, also, I thought that the wrestling I saw on TV was the same as amateur wrestling. Right. And <laughs> I never got into amateur wrestling. And when I wanted to get into it, I was in eighth grade at a boarding school. And they told me that girls were not allowed to wrestle and be on the team. So I never got a chance to wrestle. And I thought that the only way WWE would hire you is if you were an Olympic wrestler or if you, yeah, like I was like, okay, after you become an Olympic wrestler, they just call you and they're like, Hey, we want you. But that's, yeah. I thought that's how it worked. And I, I thought if you were at least a state championship winner in mm-hmm. amateur wrestling, then WWE would scope you out and come find you. But I just had no idea it was even a thing. I had no idea there were such things as pro wrestling schools and, I just never even thought it was a possible route. So my mind never really went there. (laughs) And it was funny. Then later, like when I got to college, I lived in a really unsafe city Mm -hmm. and I wanted to take martial arts or something to protect myself. Yeah, you went to VCU, correct? Yes, VCU. Were you ever there when Shaka Smart was there? Coaching the basketball team yes, or no? I, 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 <laughs> I love. They were one of my favorite teams to watch in the tournament. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was there when they got really huge. <laughs> it was just crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. But the sad thing is, I've never been to a single basketball game there. <laughs> wow, really? I know. I so regret it now. <laughs> yeah, that was like a really fun uh, era of VCU basketball. Um, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. I'm like a huge. Shaka Smart Mark myself, so I had to get no that way. out when you mentioned it. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, but crazy. but it, so it's not in the best area is what you were saying. Yeah, so I was there, and then um, I wanted to take some type of self-defense, and I ended up choosing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because the guy I was dating at the time, he was really into watching UFC, and mm-hmm. he was really interested in the groundwork. And so I was thinking to myself, you know, I've always been interested in some type of martial arts or wrestling, but I can't wrestle in a, at a college level if I haven't taken amateur wrestling as a young kid so i thought like there's no way i could just jump into college wrestling so i ended up doing brazilian jiu-jitsu and from that that's what led me to mma which led me to that guy which led me to wwe so it's like <laughs> i made a full circle just to come back to wwe so thank god you didn't wrestle because you may not have ever done brazilian <laughs> jiu-jitsu if you did yeah that's true i mean everything <laughs> happens for a reason so you know even though i made a big circle to come back to WWE, <laughs> I'm glad I picked up all these backgrounds yeah. on the way over there. <laughs> hey Zander, who were some of your favorites and your inspirations growing up? Uh, to be honest, my biggest inspiration would have to be my parents. Mm. Um, my dad, he came from nothing and he's just a hard worker. He came to the U.S. with nothing but a Chinese English dictionary and <laughs> literally just the clothes on his back. And he just worked like washing dishes, cleaning floors, like going from nothing to and where he ended up. He was really broke. I remember he told me he used to like sleep on the bench in New York City and just working like 16 and a half hours a day wow. every day. And So he ended up working really hard, ended up opening up his own restaurant. A lot of them failed. He opened up a bunch of restaurants, lost a lot of money because it kept failing. But eventually he got it right and became successful enough to, you know, earn enough money to give me a good education, put me through the best schools he could find and like spend a lot of money on my school. So even though I didn't want to go, you know, the traditional Asian route of becoming a doctor or lawyer, you know, <laughs> going the school route, um, <laughs> I appreciate the fact that they worked so hard to provide for me. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for them, I, you know, I wouldn't be here today. And my parents are the biggest influence. And my mom, she's just always been very supportive of my dad. And she's just very smart and understands how to handle like money well my dad's here like working to make money but my mom learns how to invest the money and you know not be stupid with it yeah she learned how to manage the money (laughs) yeah manage the money so it's like i learned a lot from them and they would be my biggest inspiration and they're honestly the reason why i do everything i do because i am the only child and i feel like i'm the only person that can pay them back for all the things they've done for me because it's like, oh, people say like people think oh just because you're the only child you're probably spoiled but that's, <laughs> that's not how it works at least not in an asian family if right. anything you get blamed <laughs> for everything. like everything's your fault no matter what and like my cousin did something break something and i get my ass <laughs> for it so i'm just like oh but it's you know it's because of them like it makes me want to pursue my goals even harder because I don't want to disappoint them. 
Yeah. That, that, that brought two things to mind. First thing, it sounds like being an Asian-only child is exactly the same as being an Italian-oldest <laughs> child. <laughs> because oh my God, yes. I'm the oldest, okay. and I've been, I was blamed for everything my entire youth. You know, I had three younger sisters. If they did something wrong, it was me getting the belt. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. That is so funny because I've heard that too. Yeah, it is it is very true. Uh but the second thing is I know I know you said you didn't I think I don't know if you said this on this interview or it was another interview I may have listened to preparing for this one, but I believe you said you didn't start speaking English till you were about 6 years old. Uh were yeah. you were you born in the states like had your had your parents already had you or was your father married when he came over or did he come over here by himself? My dad came over by himself when he was 20 because he needed to make money to make sure that, like, his family was taken care of. Mm -hmm. He has, like, four sisters and, like, freaking, I'm sorry, three sisters and then two parents. So he came to the U.S. to try and make money to take care of his family. And my mom met my dad in the U.S., just through like mutual friends and they had me in the u.s so i was born in the united states but being the only child and being really shy and just an introvert i kept myself and didn't really make friends because i didn't know english and i was just too scared to talk to people or interact with people and my parents were so busy working and their english wasn't that good either at the time so they were really busy working and they couldn't take care of me. So it was only my grandma who took care of me and she only understood Mandarin Chinese. So I grew up speaking Mandarin and I only started picking up English in school, like slowly, like understanding it, but I wasn't able to speak it till much later. So from six years old, I was able to understand it, but I couldn't speak it. I don't think... I don't think I was able to speak it until maybe until I was like maybe eight or something like really late. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so that's got to be like a huge, a huge well, one. It, it definitely, like you said, it gets in the way of making friends and things like that if you don't speak English. And then it's always harder to kind of pick something up at a later age. Oh my so gosh. I can only that's- imagine once you started to speak English and learn English at eight. It probably even took you a few more years until you were really comfortable communicating with other kids. Yeah, it took a long time. Like, I remember being eight years old and there's, you know, when you're young at school, there's this game called pop and literally you're, everyone's reading the same book and Mm -hmm. everyone has to read a paragraph or a page and then you say pop and you pick someone else to read. But I remember being in third grade and Whenever it got to me, I couldn't even read. Like, I didn't know how to read. And being held in for recess because I didn't know how to read. And it just, like, it, like, traumatized me and it Mm -hmm. made me hate reading books. I ended up hating reading just because of thinking back to the times where I was made fun of for not being able to read or being held in for recess and punished because I couldn't really read. That's unreal to me that a kid... There's a punishment for for you not being able, as if you're, you're doing something wrong by not being able to read. Like, it's not your fault that you couldn't yeah, read. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was just crazy. Like, it's really strange how that was. It's like I understood people. I can understand when they talk to me, but mm-hmm. I 
it was probably a combination of me being too scared to talk, or maybe I just wasn't used to communicating with people. So I didn't really talk. I didn't really talk at all. And then I would, wouldn't really be able to read, but spelling, I was able to spell, but I couldn't read, even though reading and spelling goes together and listening and talking goes together. But I was like, the other way <laughs> yeah <laughs> sometimes it's hard to put all the pieces together um yeah so i've heard xavier wood say before i don't know if you ever had an opportunity to meet xavier but no. i've heard him before mention that he was similar to you he was an introvert he didn't know how to make friends he didn't have friends as a kid and he fell into the world of video games and he uh-huh. said a lot of parents especially when he was growing up would keep their kids from playing video games but with him she said she told him when I saw you playing video games with another kid, it was the only time I saw you know how to communicate with someone else your age. And so she like kind of pushed him keep playing video games because it's helping you make friends. Did you have something along those lines that allowed you to open yourself up to other people? Well, I was never allowed to play video games. Okay, so it wasn't <laughs> I video I was. games. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was. But the only reason why I opened up, I would actually have to say, I got to thank this girl that came to my school when I was 12. She transferred schools and came to my school in the middle of the year. And she was a, you know, when a new girl comes to the school and all the popular girls see, check out the new girl yep. and they're trying to mm-hmm. the girls in yeah. the popular group. Yeah, it, it, was, it was literally like a movie. like i was the non-popular girl who got bullied my whole life yeah and she came in and the popular girls just loved her like she was very outgoing and for whatever reason i don't know why she became friends with me out of everyone (laughs) and we ended up having the same classes together our lockers were next to each other so we grew really close and she was actually the one that helped me get out of my shell And she was actually the one that helped me make friends and gain confidence in myself because I remember being at lunch. Like, I had no one to sit with at lunch, so I would hide in the bathroom and eat. And one day she took me out to the cafeteria and she went and sat with me at a small table, but the popular group, they all sat at this big table and the leader of that popular group told that girl, Hey, come over and sit with us. And when she got up, she brought me along. And I remember that popular girl pulled her aside and said it right in front of me. She goes, why are you hanging out with her? She's a loser. Like, you should be sitting here with us and ditch her. And like, I thank her to this day because even though she was put in that situation where she had to choose sides, she stuck up for me. And she told that girl, if I'm not, if Julia's not coming, then I'm not coming either. And because of that, they let me sit there. And from that day on, they kept letting me sit there because of her. And through time, I ended up becoming friends with these or what I thought were friends at the time. Right. Those people which helped me gain confidence in myself and slowly build my confidence to start meeting people and talking to people. 
And then it was like a gradual, a gradual thing of me getting over my fear from the age of 12, actively trying to get over it all the way until I was 22 years old, until I finally felt semi-comfortable in my skin. Mm -hmm. Like I had really bad social anxiety and I would get anxiety just being out in public, walking around. I felt like people were staring at me and it would give me to the point where I would like, uh, there's been times where I almost passed out. Like my vision would get cloudy from the panic attack I was getting. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was through years and years of just trying to get over that and different people, different experiences of me getting over that. And finally I felt like I was able to get over one of my biggest humps is through modeling because as a kid or my whole childhood, I was always told that I was ugly and it was just always a dream of mine to be able to model just to prove to all the people that like, I'm not that ugly. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah did, so. did you see yourself as ugly or like when they told you you were ugly, were you like, no, you're wrong. Or did you kind no, of believe it too? I believed it. Okay. I believed it. Like, I found uh, my journal from my, that I kept from when I was like six years old mm-hmm. all the way through, like actively kept up with it. till I was like 17 and then it was like here and there after. But from that time to that time, I remember writing, I hate my life. I wish I was someone else. And like, I just, I like really hated myself at the time. So um, sorry. It's okay. Hey, I, I want to tell you, I relate so much to this because this sounds very much like me as a teenager. Like I started high school, I was four foot 10 and yeah. 88 pounds as a boy. I looked like I was in third grade and my entire growth spurt, which most people have over 10 years, I did in about two, two years. So I grew so fast that I didn't look like myself in the mirror to myself. Like I, I'd look in the mirror and think I don't I don't look like me, and I thought I was ugly at the time, and it took me like three or four years before I finally realized like oh wait a minute, like I'm not ugly I'm not hideous I thought that for a while, but like what goes on in your own head is so powerful because like it, it holds you back in life it gets in your way you create your own hurdles and it sounds like yeah. that's a lot of what you you dealt with and to go so far from being sheltered and in a shell to now I want to perform in front of people. That's like a huge, a huge growth to make. Yeah. It's, it's crazy because I look back at my life and I, I feel like I had lived through like six, seven different lifetimes because <laughs> I can't even imagine how I was back then. But I remember how it feels. I just am shocked. Like, man, that was really me. And I really, just can't imagine going to that back to that because it, it sucks. Like it sucks feeling like that every day and being nervous to even be out in public or going to school or anything. And it was, it was just having that desire to want to be able to model to just be like, maybe that will, that will prove to the world that I'm not that ugly or maybe make people think otherwise, even though I, still felt that way right 
Um, but I remember when I was 16, I went to a modeling tryout and it was me and one of my friends at the time and she got picked and I didn't. And that I took a really hard hit to that Mm -hmm. because I was like, man, that just confirms why all these years people say that I'm ugly. Mm -hmm. And then I got another opportunity when I was 21. So I was in college and it was. So this is five whole years later that you still (laughs) kind of have these feelings. Yeah, I, I've had those feelings basically my whole life until I didn't start gaining confidence till I was 22. Okay. Which is very late in life. And uh, the first thing that helped me gain half my confidence was when I got offered to model. I, me and my boyfriend had just broken up with me and we had just broke up. So I was really upset. And he was like my first boyfriend and we were together almost six years. Is this the one you so, did Brazilian jiu-jitsu with? Yeah. So same guy. Okay. (laughs) Same guy. Yeah. And we, so it's funny. So he broke up with me and then I was really upset. I went out to the bar. I'm like, what do, what do people do when they go through a breakup? Oh, they, they probably go out and get drunk. So So I went out with my friend, went drinking and I had just turned 21 too. He broke up with me like, like the day before my 21st birthday. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, screw this, went out <laughs> drinking. And then I met the owner of a modeling like company. So he gave me his card and was like, oh, I really want you to be a model for my company. And because of that, I was like, oh my gosh, here's my opportunity. So <laughs> I had to go to this orientation. And I have to go there all by myself. I don't know anyone. And I had just moved to Richmond, Virginia for school. And I, I didn't know anyone. So I was really scared. But I was thinking, you know what? I'm not going to allow myself to miss another opportunity because I've already missed so many of my life right. leading up to that day. And I just sit back and regret all those opportunities that were missed. And so I said, I said to myself, when I go to this orientation, no matter what happens, I need to act like I'm confident. Even though I'm scared on the inside, I got to fake it till I make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I went there and I, sorry, I acted like I was, you know, all as confident as I could be. And luckily this one girl befriended me and she was like the way opposite of me. She was super <laughs> confident, super wild and outgoing. And she brought me along and she would go talk to all these people and be like a social butterfly. Mm-hmm. And I'm just standing there next to her, like not really saying anything, but trying <laughs> to jump in on the conversation here and there. And that's what helped me like get out of my shell more. And when I realized that I ended up making a bunch of friends at that orientation was when I realized, man, I need to just do this all the time because if I don't, I would never, I would never know how it's feel on the other side of the spectrum. Right. So I forced myself to go and meet people. And like when these people asked me to come out and party with them, I would go. Normally I'd just be like, make up an excuse of why I can't go out and Mm -hmm. stay at home and be a hermit. But I told myself, you know, I got invited to this party. I'm just going to go and do it. And 
after doing that for like a while, like like a year of partying, <laughs> a year of partying, <laughs> I felt more comfortable in my skin and just having all these modeling gigs for different companies. I felt like I gained confidence and that was half of it. The other half was while I was modeling, I was actually also doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I actually started Brazilian jiu-jitsu a month and a half before I started modeling. So me and now ex, that boyfriend during the time, we joined this jiu-jitsu gym together. But when he broke up with me, I was so pissed. <laughs> I went and trained really hard. And I was thinking, man, <laughs> if he comes back and I see him, I'm going to kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> and so I trained really hard. And so because I was always there at the gym training, um, one of the coaches took interest to me and was like, oh, I see you training all the time. Maybe you should like do a competition. And so he helped train me like outside of the gym and then just all that training and then finally convinced me to do a competition. And when I had won my first jujitsu competition, it changed my life. Like, because not coming from sports at all and never believing that I would ever be a sports person or do any type of exercise Mm -hmm. going from nothing to winning a jujitsu competition. It was life changing for me. It made me realize that you can do anything you put your mind to. And that was the other half of my confidence building. So half of it modeling, half of it martial arts, both of those together changed my life. So from that day on, like, I was a whole different person. Well, well, Zeta, I just want to say you're beautiful, passionate, smashingly handsome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that whole, um, those early teenage years, that's that's a rough time for anybody. <laughs> I personally didn't get confident, full confidence until I was around 19. Because <laughs> you go through so many growth spurts and you look different, you're not comfortable with the way you look. I think that's all something we call attest to. And um, so Zeta, I can be, quote, correct me if I'm wrong, but... um. I saw you into the arts such as music and dance. What role did that play in your life? Did it, was that something that you just picked up recently or something that helped you throughout your teenage years? I've been doing it my whole life. Like art has always been a part of me. I drew I started drawing at the age of 2 and from that day on, I remember I remember that moment like so clear too. Like my my dad, he likes to draw. So I got it from my dad. And when he got off work late at night, like I would still be awake because I was like a night owl because of their schedule. So I was still awake and he would be drawing and he used to love drawing horses. So I I remember sitting there in the living room drawing with him and I was drawing a horse. And I remember after drawing this horse, like he picked up his paper and showed me his horse and I picked up mine. (laughs) And I remember thinking to myself, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I just loved art so much. And I did it like my whole life, just sitting at home, drawing every day. I won a lot of art competitions at school. And the only thing I was confident in was my art. Like I wasn't good at anything else, but art was the only thing that I could truly say that I felt like I was meant to do, do art. And So I did art and I started singing at the age of four. 
But like I said, I didn't know any English. And I remember being in preschool. Actually, I think I was three even. Three, I was in preschool singing at choir. And I was just mumbling words, but singing at the top of my lungs. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember a teacher pulled me aside after. And she goes, you know, it's really great that you're so enthusiastic about singing. But the thing is, (laughs) um, you're, you're not seeing the right words. And... And so I enjoyed sing, singing and then it was till I was nine years old when I had this friend who was really into Spice Girls and I ended up getting into <laughs> Spice Girls and then I just loved singing so much at the age of nine and was serious about it, like really wanted to do it as a career. But like I said, my Asian parents are <laughs> not very cool with it and they told me that it was never going to be a career. So I just never went that route, but I kind of secretly still did everything behind <laughs> their back. It's you didn't like, stop doing it. You just didn't tell them you wanted to pursue it as a career. Yeah. I just secretly did it. I would sit home all day. Like I get home from school and I would go and sing or I would be drawing. And after school, there's these choir and singing programs. This that sounds like Sister Act, the plot of Sister Act 2. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, seriously. It le- dude, my li- I didn't even think about that. My life literally <laughs> is like that, yeah. <laughs> and after school, I would just sign myself up to singing classes, and I remember getting into honors choir, but my parents had no idea that I was in all of these things, that I would wake up an hour and a half earlier to go to school just for that. And then I ended up, when I was in college, I ended up accumulating love for all types of art, not just traditional drawing art, but like singing. I've been doing that for a long time. Singing, dance. I started dancing when I was 14 um, because it all started because my friend, that same girl who like brought me into the popular table. Mm -hmm. She asked me to go with her to school dance. And I went and I sucked at dancing. And I remember, (laughs) I remember these dudes saying to me like, man, you can't even dance. Like and saying to people like she can't dance. And because of them saying that I felt so like embarrassed. I would practice in my room on how to dance and watch music videos all day. Like my whole weekend was just literally just (laughs) staying home watching music videos on MTV or BT and whatever else just to learn how to dance. And then I, when I got to college, I ended up getting gigs as a go-go dancer at clubs. Mm -hmm. So I was doing that and just learning how to dance and for my acting and modeling career is when I was when I got signed with that company doing modeling, which I also did acting. And from there on, I met a bunch of other people and got me a bunch of acting and modeling gigs. So just all those things combined, it's what I, all the backgrounds I accumulated, I ended up loving all of them and I didn't want to give up any of them. So when I was in college, I was so busy like so busy to the point where I 
ended up working myself, like stressing myself out so much, I ended up in the emergency room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I remember out of a month and a half of that time, I had only slept two hours a night and I stayed up on Red Bull. And out of that (laughs) month and a half, I went 72 hours without sleeping. Jeez. Yeah, so my body like took a hit and I ended up getting really bad vertigo and ended up going to the emergency room. And it was like really bad. But I just loved all those art forms so much I just didn't want to give up any of it. Yeah. But then later <laughs> I had to start being smart about it and not work myself to death and start narrowing and narrowing down which things I should really pursue. Right. It sounds like you've lived a life based on proving people wrong about you. Um, yeah. Now, I have I have a couple more questions, if you don't mind giving us a few more minutes. Is that okay? No, that's fine. Okay. So the, the first question I have is now you have a whole new group of people to prove wrong in WWE. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when you were in NXT, when you were at the Performance Center, did you did you feel like they were invested in you? Like invested in developing you, invested in we see you being able to become this, or was it just you showing up and doing the training they had you do every day? Um, I felt like, uh, I felt like I was just showing up doing the training. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I mean, how it works is I feel like everyone gets a little spurts of time to show themselves mm-hmm. and like they'll push someone for a little bit. Like when you're new and you first come, they'll spend some time pushing everyone. So I felt like I was in that cycle of, Hey, we're going to push this person right now. And then after that's over, they push someone else. Then after that's over, they push someone else. And it's just kind of like ring around the rosy type of thing until, you know, and then finally they pick one person to really push. Right. So I felt like when they pushed me, it was, probably just part of the you know part of what they do right i wouldn't say they really went out of their way to push me during your time there zeta was there anybody that helped you out personally that helped you the most um you know i feel like everyone has helped me a lot um the most that's hard to say just because everyone's schedule is really like different there and it's really limited time but outside of the coaches helping me like I would probably say the wrestlers would be like probably True Gulak um, (laughs) Lorcan Drake Maverick Ember Moon helped me some too and then Lately, like before my release, Tommaso Ciampa has helped me also. So it's people come and go and their schedules always rotating. So I would say out of all those people, those would be some people that really helped me. Yeah, and Drew Gulak from right in our backyard in Philadelphia. <laughs> so I'm glad that he got a shout out. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's great. Like, it's really <laughs> nice, but I don't get to see him much because our schedules are off. Did he teach you how to do the gulak? No, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, you were also part of the inaugural May Young Classic. What was your reaction to being a part of the first ever tournament, and how was the news broken to you? It was literally just 
out of nowhere. Like one day we finished training and Sarah Motto pulled a few girls aside and was like, you're going to be in the Mae Young Classic. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what? what? Like, that was before we even knew what it was. Like, we're just like, what's that? And they're like, it's a tournament, and you're going to be in a tournament. And we didn't realize how big of a deal it was until later on when they started building around it and started, like, promoting it and talking about it. Then we're like, oh, my gosh, this is the tournament that we're about to be in. And it was just, like, surreal. Like, they told us about it, but we didn't really do any preparing for it that much, like, not really active for two months. Then out of nowhere, they're like, all right, it's go time. And it was just super hectic for a week. So the whole week, it was, like, going over everything and having photo shoots, video shoots, promo packages. Like, everything all happened really fast within a week. And it was such a great experience, like so much fun. And it just ended way too fast. Like I wish it lasted so much longer than it did. How much did you get to interact with the other women in the tournament? Like not much at all. Like literally we just go in there. We're so busy all day. We barely get to interact because everyone's on a time schedule. Everyone's time crunching. They're like, all right, 12 o'clock, you got to be in. 1 o'clock, this person goes in. 1.30, this person goes in. It's literally by 30-minute time frames to an hour time frames. Like, everyone's doing something at a time. The only time we really got time to interact with people is when we're getting our makeup done. Like, <laughs> But it's literally just running around all day long. So I, I could see that happening because I'm sure it's not like – it, it doesn't actually take place over the course of six weeks like it did for us watching it. <laughs> it seems like yeah. it all takes place very quickly. Uh, now, your opponent was Shayna Baszler, also a, uh, a very big uh, a big name in the women's MMA community. As you said, you've done MMA. If, if you had your choice to be a champion in UFC or WWE, which would it be for you? WWE, for sure. For any particular reason? Just because I, they know how it works. They know how everything works. And it's like, UFC, it's it's great. But the thing is, it's more, it's not a very longevity type of career. Like you get to, a, there's only rare instances where people fight into their 50s. But it's, I want to have longevity. I don't want to just be UFC champ for a little while, a few years, and then you're gone. I want to be able to be the champ for years and years and, you know, end up losing a bell and getting it back. You know, have it be longevity. That's most important because I see people who are in athletics and it's like they had their run. Like people in football, they had their run and it was so awesome during the time and when it ended, it was so, like, sad. It's so sad because they want to keep doing what they love, but mm-hmm. it's just for different reasons. Their body's not being able to take it or different reasons they're not able to continue. And I want to work smarter, you know, and be able to continue doing what I enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite MMA fighter of all time is BJ Penn. I don't know how oh. familiar you are with him. I'm actually wearing I actually a BJ have Penn his shirt. Uh, do you really? <laughs> I'm yeah, wearing I have his actual walkout tee. 
I'm wearing a BJ Penn Team Hawaii UFC 94 t-shirt right now. Um, no way. Yeah, he's my favorite of all time, and his last three or four fights have had me almost in, in tears for each one <laughs> just because he's not he's not BJ anymore, and he thinks he is and he wants to be, and you could see him trying to do the things he used to do, and he just he just can't do it anymore. So that speaks exactly to what you just kind of explained. Like one day the wheels just kind of kind of fall off the wagon <laughs> yeah it's it's just so sad and i i can't even imagine being at that place because even just just being an athlete training you know getting injured being injured sucks you're sitting there and you just have this itch to train but you can't and it just sucks watching all these people get better and better and you're just sitting there like in pain and injured not being able to do anything and everyone just passing you. Mm-hmm. And just, oh, it's a horrible feeling. So I can't even imagine being at the point where you just have to retire when you really just mentally aren't ready yet. Right. <laughs> yeah. I want to have a good run before that happens. You know? I, I see one in, in your near future. <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs> on the show, this is a hot topic. We usually ask all our guests this. We often discuss that the next boom period in wrestling is everything outside of WWE because there's so much more wrestling to offer and there's so much exposure for it. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I believe it. Like there is a lot of opportunities out there and yeah, of course I'm very sad about not being at WWE, but that's the first place I really was at and I'm excited to explore and like see what wrestling is all about out there and see different types of wrestling and learn different styles and different ways of doing things. So I want to be able to travel and kind of see the world of wrestling more. Now, now that you're independent, who are some of your dream opponents? Oh, there are several. So, is James um, Ellsworth one of them? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if he's there, sure. <laughs> Down for that. <laughs> um, there's a lot, actually. Uh, I would say, like, Tessa Blanchard, um, Tony Storm, Rachel Othering, Kimberly, Eva Lee, Mercedes Martinez, Mia Yim, um, Nicole Savoy, Ariel Monroe. I mean, there's a lot of them. There's a lot. So no shortage of opponents for you no, <laughs> in your future. Not all. all fan favorites. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so my last question: um, You mentioned towards the top of the interview that you got into wrestling through your grandma. And yeah. do you, by any chance, remember who did grandma like when she was watching wrestling? Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> Our favorite was Hulk Hogan. <laughs> That's it's a good one to have uh, to have as as your favorite, kind of the biggest guy of all time. Um, yeah, she loved him. Yeah. So before we let you go, and thank you again for for taking the time to do this with us, it was a lot of fun. Um, is there anything you'd like to to plug or mention or have people check out? Yes. Uh, follow me on social media mm-hmm. on Instagram, Zeta underscore Zhang, Z-E-D-A underscore Z-H-A-N-G. And also my Facebook. I just made the page and it keeps people updated on my upcoming shows. And it's facebook.com forward slash the Zeta Zhang. And my Twitter handle, the Zeta Zhang. And 
it's coming up later, but I mean, it's not out there yet. But I'm gonna start a Twitch account. Okay, nice. <laughs> so that's coming up in the works, and I'll announce that on my social media and stuff. All right. So now, the, I guess the another thing is: is there a certain region of the country that you're trying to stick around at, or are you going wherever you can find a show to be a part of? I am going all over, wherever. <laughs> Fine with wherever. Like, fly me out somewhere. I don't care. <laughs> okay, so where, wherever the show is, that's where you're going to go. Yep. All right, so the, the last thing I want to say, and especially you just told us probably a little bit deeper and more of an emotional story than I think any a, either of us were expecting. And, I didn't expect that. Either. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of, I don't want to say open my eyes because I know you've talked about being bullied and stuff like that, but I watched one of, I, I found one video of, an MMA fight of yours that I watched yesterday. Oh it was, my God. I believe that's probably that my first one ever. The opponent's so name was the opponent's name was Heck. Oh God, that's so bad. Okay, that's it, such was, a it bad was your first one. <laughs> so bad in that. Okay, okay, but so for that fight, let me just tell you, for that fight, uh-huh. I went in last minute. Not, I got tricked into that fight. <laughs> you got tricked into. It. How did you get yes, tricked I into got fighting? Tricked into the fight. So. I've been doing jujitsu, mm-hmm. never did MMA. I didn't even know how to amateur wrestle at the time, nor did I know any stand-up, like any punches or striking. Mm-hmm. And then I was training, and my MMA coach, I went to an MMA gym after my jujitsu gym. My first jujitsu gym, I went to another gym to follow my other MMA, I mean, my other jujitsu coach who helped me. And he teaches at an MMA gym. So while I was there, I was like, well, I might as well, like, learn everything and I would like dabble (laughs) here and there but not really I was really there for the jujitsu and out of nowhere my MMA coach the owner of the gym he goes hey you should fight and I remember thinking uh no I really don't want to fight I'm just here training jujitsu like I don't really want to fight and he would bug me every day about and be like you should fight you should fight and I one day I was just trying to get him off my case and I was just like I was going to just be like, yeah, I'll think about it. I decided to say that. Then another day he came to me and he goes, yeah, you know, there's a fight coming up in three weeks and you should really try it out. Like you should fight. And I was like, I don't know. And he goes, you know what? No pressure. Just (laughs) train really hard for two weeks and see how you feel. If you don't feel ready, then you don't have to fight. If you feel ready, then, then cool fight. I'm like, all right, so I'm training. Um, a week and a half into it, I was thinking to myself, oh, hell no, I am not going <laughs> to do this fight. I need to tell him I'm not going to do this fight. And as I was finishing up training, I was going up to him to go tell him that I wanted to back out. Right. And he comes up to me and says, hey, guess what? They, ha- they wrote an article about you in the newspaper <laughs> about your fight. And I was like, oh, my God, now I can't back out. Yeah, now it's public that you're going to have this fight. It freaking sucked. And I had, like, three weeks with nothing to train for a fight. That is a very last minute. I think most training camps are, like, three months. (laughs) Yes, I know. And then I'm here having to go in with no striking background, and I'm having to fight with this girl who has all striking background. Mm -hmm. She's all strikes. And her boyfriend owns a Krav Maga gym. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I have to go up against this girl with three years of strike training, and I ha- I'm here with nothing. So 
I freaking go into the fight and literally it's just survival mode. And my punches and everything look sloppy as hell. And all I knew in there was jab, cross, elbow, jab, cross, elbow. Like that's <laughs> all I knew. And she knew I was going to be a ground girl because my jujitsu. <laughs> so she stuffed all of my takedowns. I couldn't get her down. And for all three rounds, I had to fight her standing, doing strikes. And I don't even know how I won that. Like, it was pure out of, like, <laughs> my heart of not wanting to lose. But, yeah, it was freaking crazy. Well, yeah, you just said kind of exactly what I, what I was about to say. Like, because what I was going to tell you is if, if you live your life based on how you fought that fight, the first round was pretty close. The second round, you seemed like you had more to give than your opponent did. And the third round, I, I kind of felt like you outlasted her more than anything. Because, um, like you said, the, the technique wasn't wasn't crisp it wasn't it wasn't the most technically proficient fight but no. you showed so much heart you kind of built as the fight went on the way you were kind of just walking through punches as if they didn't even phase you it, to me that shows a lot about your character and your ability to kind of succeed now going forward after this setback you had so if you live your life the way you fought your first fight I think that you're going to go a long way. So I just wanted to say that, especially based on what we talked about about 20 minutes ago. Um, yeah, I see bright things in your future, and it was really a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. It was really nice talking to you guys. It was a lot of fun. And uh, way more emotional than I expected. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we, we appreciate you opening up that much to us. Um, like I said, I learned a lot about you just during the course of this conversation. So, Zeta, thank you. Uh, best of luck. Yes, thank you. Uh, going forward, we will be keeping an eye on everything you have coming up. So good luck with everything. Thank you, guys. All and right. <laughs> uh, rest up after all that stuff that just happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we will both be, be resting up quite a bit <laughs> for now. But thank you again thank you, and uh, take care. Thank you. All right, Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. All right. So thank you again to Zeta Zhang. That was a lot of fun. I thought it was a great interview. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, the next thing I wanted to jump into, we had a huge reunion on SmackDown this week. I think this probably means more to everyone else here than it does to me because I was not watching when this was a thing. I'm aware of it. I know it was a big deal. Team Hell No, Daniel Bryan, and Kane back together again. That's surprising. I think, I think the ri- original incarnation would have been right up your alley. Yeah, like the, the clips I've seen of it, I've always found entertaining. I don't hate Kane. As a whole, I hate Kane the last couple years because I just think he's it's pointless to act like he's still a thing. Yeah, it's hard to believe he's uh, a demon and uh, also running in a gubernatorial race. Yeah, his, his southern conservative politics don't endear me to him at all. <laughs> no. um, but this was a big deal in Daniel Bryan's career. It was a big deal in Kane's career. And if you have to trot Kane out to the ring, it might as well be this. So... Alo, what? How do you feel? Because I, you were the first one that I thought of because I know how much you love this. So, what do you have on Team Hell No? It's been a long time since SmackDown had me blush, <laughs> but <laughs> I was I was kind of speculating because they they kind of gave us the Miz and Brian a little on on SmackDown, so I knew we wouldn't go back to that. And then I thought about I'm like, I think Brian's gonna end up going against the Bludgeon Brothers, but who's his partner going to be? And Kane was the last person I thought would end up being his partner at all because <laughs> I did not see that coming. But it's, it was perfect that Sasha 
Team Hell No reunited because Sasha and Banks and Bailey need to go to counseling. And as stupid as that is, if I see Dr. Shelby with them, <laughs> I'm all in. <laughs> Dr. Shelby sells you? Yeah, yeah, If Dr. Shelby shows up, that's all I need to be sold on that Sasha Banks and Bailey counseling the whole thing. But them, they, Team Hell No reunited shows that Dr. Shelby work, does work for them. And I tweeted that out to Sasha Banks and Bailey. Smack that went off. But. I'm excited. I don't, expect, I, don't, I don't expect anything of it except for a couple of good segments for the, in the next two weeks. But I'm excited just to see them two back because that team was so good. And we did an underrated list last week. I don't think Kane's underrated, but I think Kane as a tag team competitor is underrated because it doesn't matter who his partner is. It always works. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a chance that they get to be tag team champions to sort of bridge the time before the... Daniel Bryan Miz feud really starts. I definitely say that they could be they could bridge. Um, I think eventually you're gonna see Daniel Bryan with the tag team titles because they're not gonna put the world title on him right now. They want to keep him in, in in the main main picture. And will they argue over which one of them is actually the tag team champion? <laughs> I'm the tag team champion. <laughs> I think they will just for like a all time sake. Wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> nudge to us. <laughs> So you guys all think they will hold the tag team title I at don't. some point? You don't think so? No. I think it's a one-off. They don't need it. They don't. They don't, but how many people that end up with a title need it? This is true, but Daniel Bryan also doesn't need a loss. Another loss. That's almost all he's done since he's come back. Which shows the type of character that he is because everybody still loves him. I don't want them to get into that booking pattern. They're giving him endearing losses, though. Yeah, I, I guess you could say that. Um, well, one of the people he lost to was Rusev in a gauntlet match. We mentioned a little earlier he is the number one contender uh, for the WWE Championship. He had a little bit of a, an interaction with AJ Styles in the ring. I popped when they shook hands and Aiden tried to sneak in to shake his hand and he pulled his hand back. <laughs> I don't know why, but loved it. It got you. It did. Any chance that Rusev Day is the WWE champion. No. I hate Should he be? Your, I hate to burst your bubble, but they're already promoting AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe for Hell in a Cell. Which yeah. is, That's not really bursting my I bubble. I'm going to be excited yeah, for I that. Love that. <laughs> yeah, well, now they're pushing this whole AJ Styles like long title reign. Like They're bringing in that in. So it's like, all right, he's clearly going to have a long run. But I am excited for Rusev. I think they're going to kill it. Oh, that match is going to be incredible. Yeah, I think that because their styles they contrast perfectly for each other. And Rusev, he can he can move for a bigger guy. But if this if this wasn't happening a month before SummerSlam, I would pick Rusev. But it's so close to SummerSlam, and they got and this they, they have to sell that. So that's the reason I think AJ Styles is going to win. But I was so excited for Rusev. I was completely shocked. I did not see it coming. <laughs> Just imagine that Rusev. Like imagine the crowd during that match, because he's finally getting his opportunity. At the title, that his first actual one-on-one chance, and the crowd's wanted him to do something for the longest time. He's never done; he hasn't done anything really important. But I, th- I can't wait to just to just see the crowd reaction to him, him versus AJ when the bell rings. And you said, should he? I would like it. Said, I'd could love he? If, <laughs> I, I would love if he was the champ, because I feel like he would just bring so much fun to it. But. I think SmackDown is at the point where, like, all right, we don't need fun right now. Like, let's just be serious. Yeah, I can see that. I I don't foresee it. There was no point when I thought he might win. But 
I personally would love to see it. Um, Better chance than Shinsuke winning, that's for sure. I'd say a 1% chance. Just that very outside <laughs> <Yeah>. chance. <laughs> would you be happy if Rusev won the title? I wouldn't hate it. I'd give it time to see see what they do with it. Um, do I think it's going to happen? No. I mean... I just have the image in my head of like Aiden coming out and while he's singing the opening song, holding the holding the title, holding the title, waiting for Rusev to come out. Have, have you seen his wife, by the way? He's done something important <laughs> multiple times, multiple times. <laughs> and I'm very happy that Aiden went back to singing and not rapping yeah. this week. I mean, I didn't hate the rapping. I just got but tired the singing is more fun. Exactly. It was a semi-rap. It was a sing rap. It had the rhyme. And I, I still love that that all came out of Randy Orton's entrance music. Like, the whole thing came mm-hmm. out of that, which I think is unbelievable. Um, so Randy Orton has made a key contribution for you. He's made one contribution to my wrestling fandom, yes. Um, Sasha and Bailey, Ayla mentioned them going to counseling. Is anyone invested in this? Have I'm, they waited too long, or is this another thing like we mentioned with Asuka? Can they, like, light the match and get us all fired up for it again? They could. Um, the only part of it I would kind of be into is the fact that they're showing a different side of Bailey. It could be recreating her. I mean, could it could could kind of rebuild her. Um, that's the only part I kind of like. I mean, the whole story between them, friends that hate each other. Eh. Yeah, like, I want to be into it. But it's... Neither of them is a heel, so it still bugs me, like... If that would have been, like, a Bailey turn rather than, like, Bailey's just fed up right. and that's it, like, I would have been perfect with the it. The heel turn Alo never knew he needed. Yeah, like, <laughs> if, if she would have took out her hair tie, whew. <laughs> I might have. Were you waiting for that? I might have shed a tear. Yeah, what if she just stands up middle of the ring, right? I'm going to do this right now. And instead of that. And then instead of, like, pulling it tight, just, like, lets it go. <laughs> <laughs> and just, like... Wiggles her hair out. That would that would have been great. Well, now we know what's going to happen next week. That was beautiful. Yeah. I, I had a tear coming down my eye. When They're going to hear this tomorrow <laughs> when it the show's released, and we will see it on Raw, if not next week, the week after. Dude, the day she takes her hair out is the day the world shakes. Yeah, you're right that that is probably what's holding it back, is that neither one of them is... <laughs> The bad guy in the story. I thought you were going to go somewhere different. No, I, I just... That's what's holding her back. She yeah, hasn't no. taken her hair tie out yet. Neither so. one of them is the bad guy in the story, and you need a villain. They, not, don't, they don't have one. It doesn't mean anything. They've been doing this for, what, two years now? Yeah, it's been dragging on. But, and then, like, they tease it, and they stop it, and they're best friends again, and then... No payoff. They tease it again, it's like, when are you going to do it? Now it seems like they're all in on this, but we don't know that because they're sending them to counseling, but... We send him to, the hell you send him to counsel for? Unless you bring in Dr. Shelby. Do that. <laughs> what the hell you doing counseling for? Yeah, like the idea that, oh, this is a problem that two superstars on the roster don't get along. Half of <laughs> There's supposed to be two halves of the roster, and they're not, they're not all supposed to get along. Like, that's the part to me that I think is so stupid. They're rivals that are theoretically competing for the same title. Why do you need them to be best friends? You don't. Like, you're, they're supposed to be competing against each other. They're supposed to not like each other. I don't know. It just seems like a, a dumb addition to the story. Like you said, Alo, there could be some funny stuff that comes out of the counseling, but I think the idea that WWE management is trying to keep them as friends, I think it's just a really yeah, silly the story to tell. There is, 
there a, a match at SummerSlam that they could act like is a big match that they just slapped together that, like, doesn't mean anything. Um, anything else from the last week that anybody wants to talk I kinda about? I kind of wanted to touch upon the fact that they're just stealing storylines from each other again. I mean, you had two title matches, both ending in disqualification. Like, do something original. Find a different way to play it out. No Dolphins and Rollins, you're not going to talk about that? I didn't watch it. That's why I'm opening the floor to whoever wanted to bring it up. So good. Well, that would be the one match. This is what I'm excited for. <laughs> so as much as I'm excited for Lashley versus Roman, I am really pumped for Roman versus McIntyre. Because I know that McIntyre bugged you with that comment. <laughs> yes. But he is still Drew McIntyre. He still is really good. And he's big. And he's <laughs> big. And Vince likes big. He, he does. Big. He looks bigger than he did his first time around. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's huge. He's, he was soft. Now he's not. Yeah, but was he's he got. SW. <laughs> SAWFT. But soft. But God, how great was that Ziggler Rollins match? It was so great. It was very good. It was like. Old zigs are all over. Exactly. Ron, wa- watch it. it. I'm serious. Watch it. Like I got him. I like the crowd was into it, and I was into it's it. It's a home. great match because Rollins is a great in ring competitor. Dolph is a great in ring competitor. Yeah, the I problem think, is they just got to do something consistent with Dolph, something it, that makes you care. Because yeah, I think I text you guys after that match. That I kind of like WWE again. That's kinda. what you're referring to. I think it was between that or the Team Hell No thing. But I knew when one of the shows went off air. But that match was so fu- so fantastic. Uh, even the finish, I just hate that they had a, a bad camera pan because after um, Rollins hit the, the superplex into the Falcon Arrow, they kind of you can kind of see McIntyre coming back down from the top of the ramp to the ring, so it kind of ruins that the whole surprise of surprise element of it. But that match was so good. I did actually watch that match because that was two weeks ago, right? It happened this past Monday Night Raw too. They did, but, that. but the one where Ziggler won the yeah. title was two, two weeks ago. ago. I did watch that one, and it was a good match. Um, and I just fast forwarded it. The only thing I know that happened was Roman came out and had made the save. The hell out of doll. Yeah. You gotta give it a doll for that one. <laughs> yeah. So Dean is back soon, right? Yeah, I think. Are so. Are we gonna get a shield re the shield reunion we didn't get, or do you think no? Dean's gonna come back with short hair. Okay. And a beard. <laughs> <laughs> is he gonna come back as me? You were act too fly. <laughs> Yeah, I I do hope that we see a little bit of the shield together. Um, so you just think what what is it that you're super excited for? Drew Galloway being involved? Yeah, Drew Galloway versus uh, Ziggler. No, no, Roman versus Roman. Reigns. Oh, okay. Because yeah, Roman think they're gonna have killer matches. Because yeah, Roman doesn't have a clear direction yet. Because it's still um, they're facing each other on the he's house feuding show. with they, yeah. Because the tag the house show was tag match. With uh, Rollins and Roman against Ziggler and McIntyre, so I thought that might have been the match. But then they, he, Roman had a thing with Bob, with Bob <laughs> in the opening segment. So I'm, you don't buy never get tired. Yeah, so no. I, I'm up in the air, but I don't know if they dropped that whole thing as a whole. But if they have Roman versus McIntyre, I'm really looking forward to that match. Yeah, I, I have no doubt. So, yes, I was irked by Drew kind of stepping out of his lane saying, oh, I don't see enough people here trying to, to make it happen, like, Dude, it's kind of known throughout the wrestling industry that you can't do that in this era of WWE. You don't get to just call your own shots like Stone Cold or The Rock or Hulk Hogan would have. Um, But I still think the guy is a great talent, and I would definitely be all in on a Roman 
Drew McIntyre match. I think it'd be great. Um, oh, did you see Kevin Owens with Braun Strowman? Oh god, <laughs> so good. I just don't and, get why he flipped the car though. <laughs> I almost, do, I almost don't know if I want it to be that he was tricking him, saying I want to be your friend just to screw him over, or is this is this Braun's way of like playfully being his friend? Yeah. Like, I flipped your car, ha huh? <laughs> like, I don't, and I don't know which one I wanted to be, but Owens running away, excellent. Braun running after him, great. Owens coming out after Braun got by him and getting security to walk him literally 30 feet and saying, okay, I think I got it from here. Yeah, it was good. I love Owens. I will miss Sami Zayn while he's out, unfortunately, recovering from another shoulder injury. This is one of those things, though, I feel like he <laughs> needs that time away. Like, because when he comes, like, as much as I was enjoying him, he needs that break, like, away from TV because there's so much on the show that if he's not with Kevin Owens, he's not being featured heavily. So that time away is going to be good for him. And I feel like he did so good <coughs> before he left that they'll be very confident to use him again when he comes back. It'll be a big deal when he comes back. And, yeah, as much as he was being entertaining the last couple weeks, he wasn't doing anything prominent or meaningful. He was just entertaining. Exactly. So when he comes back, there will be some steam to do something that matters with him. It was, my favorite part was when um, Braun told Owens to do to, to go do a lap. And <laughs> 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 how dejected Owens looked walking down the ramp, like, why do you want to be my partner? It's <laughs> so funny. And when Braun asks, where's Kevin Owens? The guy's like, I, I have no idea. I just sell concessions here. He goes, this guy looks like he has a bowling ball under his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Thought that was great. And congratulations to Kevin Owens for meeting Shania Twain. Did you see the video? Oh, I didn't see the video. I, I did. Saw I saw the video. So funny. <laughs> but I'm very happy for him. Um, Is that a thing? What? Uh, people just love Shania Twain. Who is she? Well, especially especially Canadians. A, you don't know who Shania Twain is? And you like country music? <laughs> I like country guys singing. Country guys. <laughs> I like country guys. She's a Canadian country singer who was at her height of popularity, I want to say like maybe 95 through 2000, so you may be a little young for her. You've heard some of her songs. Um, yeah, had a ton of hits in that time, and I guess he's Canadian, so he must have just been a big fan, I, I guess. I loved him, and he was so excited about it. Me too. <laughs> and somebody tried to, like, come at him about it on Twitter, and he eviscerated the guy. <laughs> of course he did. He's yeah. the best. Yeah. Did, you, did anybody see his header on Twitter? No. Do me a favor. After this show, go check his header on Twitter and his profile picture because it's <laughs> hilarious. Okay. Um, the last thing I had to touch on, uh, apparently... Ring of Honor was supposed to have a show at Madison Square Garden. Show pass because it's famous. And Vince Vince talked to MSG and kept the show from happening there. Do you think that do you think that's just Vince being a dick? <laughs> Wait, did you see his profile picture? One second. Look at his profile picture because it's just as good if not better. <laughs> This is perfect because it is a picture of him post getting run over by by Braun, and he actually mentioned that this past week to Kurt. Like he runs me over every chance he gets. <laughs> so that's funny that that that's his uh, profile picture. Is this Vince just being a, a dickhead, or do you think this is Vince maybe feeling a little bit threatened 
by someone from outside. I'd say Vince being a dick. Yeah, he's just being a dick. Because he can. I think it's a bit of both. Because for ring, for the MSG to even consider to get how Ring of Honor is a big deal, and something that I'm shocked nobody brought up, did you see WWE is following the Young Bucks on Twitter? Mm, I saw that somewhere. I forgot about it, but I did see that mentioned somewhere. Yeah, they're following the Young Bucks on Twitter. They so, could learn a thing or two. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm not sure when the Bucks contract's up, but if they were a part of that whole MSG thing, and the fact that they have, they've sold out all in, I wouldn't be shocked if they could sell out MSG. And then Vince, with the whole call of history of WWE, he doesn't want any other wrestling promotion getting into MSG. Pretty messed up. But don't expect anything less from Mr. McMahon, I guess. Never. Uh, anything else before we go to Stump Alo and listener questions? Not for me. You want to do listener questions first or Stump Alo first? Might as well do questions yeah. first. all right. We have a question from the godfather of the podcast, Joe Lafferty. Thank you, Laugh. Uh, I love this question this week. <laughs> Cena debuted this week 16 years ago. What is your favorite, and I emphasize, favorite match and why? Mine is Cena and Kevin Owens. That match was truly one of the first times that I realized that this guy was good, that he didn't suck. Owens can really go, and Cena kept up with him. So my favorite is their match from SummerSlam. You and I were there in Brooklyn. AJ, yes. Um, Because that feud was incredible. I thought both guys in their promos leading up to it were really bringing it, were entertaining every week. I was so invested in it. They raised the stakes so high. And, like, at the time, I guess I was 38. As a 38-year-old, it is really hard to get invested in a wrestling match where you really care about the result and you think the result really matters. And that felt like it was a big deal. It felt like whatever way it went mattered to me. And the match itself was amazing. He put over AJ in a huge way. He had the slow walk out of the out of the ring taking the armband off and This actually, so part of it was the match was great. Part of it was the payoff for the story was excellent. Part of it was Cena kind of the middle finger to everybody who says he buries everybody. He put over AJ and made AJ arguably the biggest star in the company. That stuff all really mattered. But that also, I believe, I can pinpoint as the exact moment where I just hated wrestling fans. And it Ooh, probably <laughs> it probably started the downward spiral that I've gotten to now was that night. But that match was amazing. I thought the result was the right one. I thought the way it happened was incredible. The build to it was amazing. The fact that John Cena was just absent the night after I think made it even bigger. That's where AJ started being called the champ that runs the camp and, and all that stuff. So to me, that's that's my favorite one. I think it was the most important one. And... That that's my answer. Yeah, and <laughs> it was also like the changing of the guard too, mm-hmm. like you said about him put the whole Cena Barry's because that was like the whole summer. Yeah, led to that. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I had a friend who um, came to visit me, and he works at the Barclays Center. <laughs> and he actually oh, we're going to Slammer. I was like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> never again, never again, nope, never again, never again, never again. That's the most uncomfortable. Overhyped arena I've ever been in in my life, or probably in the country. It's uncomfortable. 
it's te- it's a terrible vi- uh, the way it's designed is horrible. It's, no, I'm not going there. <laughs> it's a million degrees at that time of year. Yeah, Joseph, your favorite John Cena match of all time. I mean, there was a lot of them, so it was hard to break them down. I mean, I looked at a couple of them without really watching the matches. I know, like, JBL back in 05 when they had, like, the bloodiest match. Um, there was a couple of house shows. Any match with CM Punk were the pay-per-views. I was going to say kind of the, the same match you did, the 17 SummerSlam match, because of the same reasons. He was in the show. He put someone else over, changing the guards. But uh, just to switch it up, I'll go with my, my second favorite, which probably the... Um, John Cena triple threat with HBK and uh, Triple H or H, <laughs> as he's known. I appreciate here. that he went H, H. on that. <laughs> um, just because it was a great match, you had three of the probably best wrestlers at the time in that match. You, I really didn't know who was going to win that match, um, and I always loved any any kind of pay per view show with HBK, and it was always stellar. Um, so I'll just go with that, just to switch it up a little bit. Very good choice, uh, Prep. <laughs> So I have two. One. <laughs> because there's one that I feel like I have to say, and that's Money in the Bank 2011. <laughs> but, and that's because my favorite wrestler of all time is in it, and then one of the greatest of all time is in it. But And one of the most important stories of the last ten years. Yeah. But, for real, for real, the AJ match from last year, Royal Rumble, was probably... My favorite Cena match of all time. I thought it was great. AJ is so good, and he meshed so well with Cena. Who would have thought, like, because they're, they're bro- so different. Yeah, they brought out some good wrestling styles. Yeah, they it's did. Awesome. They did great together. Honorable mention, I know that nobody's going to think of this, but <laughs> the match with him and Sami Zayn for the, the open challenge. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Especially knowing, like, when Sami threw his hands up, you could tell he looked really uncomfortable and something happened. So I was like, damn, man, he's hurt. And then, like, that probably was my favorite open challenge match, either that or Cesaro. Yeah, those open challenge matches, a lot of them, like, came to mind when it came to um, picking my favorite Cena match. But I haven't had any, I haven't had as much time to sit with it as some of, some of the other ones I have. Exactly. But Money in the Bank 2011, Royal Rumble 2017, or probably a lot of the open challenge matches are my favorite. John Cena's great. Yeah, he's a mount. He should be on everyone's Mount Rushmore at this point. Yeah, probably, mm-hmm. probably my next wrestling tattoo. Well, we're only talking about four. John Cena, or five in the Rushmore. He might. <laughs> he might be right on the outside. Yeah, he's one of the greats of all time in the business. Uh, we have another question. No, I didn't go. Oh, you didn't. Okay. No, no, you didn't. Well, all of Cena's matches are great. Everyone. Uh, everyone. The whole catalog. Yes, <laughs> but. My favorite Cena match is him versus Shawn Michaels on Raw of April 23rd, 2007. Yeah, I remember. They went 55 minutes. That They can't, they can't edge the post face ring because that was the go-home for Backlash. It was a fatal four-way that Sunday for the, for, for the world title. And Edge was supposed to face Orton in the main event, allegedly. But <laughs> or, um, Cena and Michaels went 55 minutes. And... That was coming off their WrestleMania match, which was which was great. But this was way better than that WrestleMania match. Even though Cena came on the losing end, I was only 15 years old at the time, and um, I didn't know everything about wrestling. I just knew I just know what was like really really good, and th- that was like Cena's first one of Cena's performances. Where I was like, okay, this is really 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 good. Even though he, even though it was, it was even though it was in a losing effort, 
an, an, another close one for me was him versus Edge at TLC. I mean, Unforgiven 06. That was great, too. But him versus Michaels and the fact that Michaels came out of nowhere to win that match, I thought that was fantastic. And it took it ended Raw off of that 55-minute match. Fantastic. Another good choice. All good choices, obviously. Yeah. There's no wrong answer. There is no wrong answer. You could have said any one. Cena Amaga. <laughs> that was good. I know. All right. We have a question from... It's a real wrestling podcast. It's, there must be some upstart radio show. <laughs> Who are you guys going for in the World Cup? Mexico. Because it's me giving the stone cold salute to Donald Trump. So I want Mexico to win the whole thing. I'm not going for anybody. Because <laughs> I'm tired of you fair weather fans coming out of the woodworks. All of a sudden, everybody loves soccer. Get out of my face. I don't care about the World Cup. Sure you do. I don't give a damn. <laughs> I believe you don't give a damn. And I actually was just talking to someone about this earlier today. That I am not some big soccer guy. I enjoy the sport. Like, I played it. It's fun. It's fun to watch, whatever. I don't... I'm not really into, like, the tactics or the strategy or whatever. There are things about the game I like, but I don't know all the players or anything like that. But any event... You don't know John Lebowski? I... I, him I know, yes. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> is Freddie Adu still playing? No, he <laughs> flamed out okay. pretty bad. Yeah, Really, really cool. I know Messi. Uh, yeah, that's Messi it. scored a goal, I believe, yesterday or the day before. But for me, anything that's like an event every four years where it's nations competing, like I love the Olympics. I've talked about that on the show before. And I love the World Cup. I'm not a big soccer guy. I'm strictly a World Cup guy. Just like a fun, especially I've been recovering from surgery. I'm home on the couch all day. And what a blessing that I wake up at like 8.30 and there's a World Cup game just on. Um, so for me, I, it's, it's kind of sports entertainment to me. I'm not a diehard soccer guy. I don't have really like a horse in the race, especially with the United States not qualifying. But to me, it's just like an enjoyable thing for me to just like kick my feet up and sit back and watch it. But I will not pretend I'm like... Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, football. Like, it's football. not me. <laughs> football Americano. You see when I had to correct Seamus? No, what was it? He wrote something about football, and I was like, soccer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love you that. Yeah, but I, I'm rooting for Mexico for the reasons I just stated. Anybody else have a, a team they're rooting for, or am I the only one who cares at all? I'm, I'm going to go with Sweden. Because their women are very, very nice. Okay. Well, they did advance to the round of 16 Yes, they today. did. No. I, I with, get the win, with the win over my uh, my beloved Mexico. Damn. I guess we're rivals. <laughs> a 3 nothing win. We are heated rivals for the maybe for one more day. Well, it wasn't really a rival if we won 3 nothing. So. No, it was It was not a good game. Um, Alo, you got anybody you're rooting for? If it'll make Trump mad in Mexico. <laughs> so prep, nobody. Nobody. I don't care. Okay. Band Fair wagon, enough. Bandwagon band wagon fans. Yeah, <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't blame you, Prep. It's about as annoying as Sixers fans. <laughs> yeah, are you, are you including fans. me in that or no? No, you're a real one. Okay, I appreciate you. You're a real one. <laughs> I got a question from the mechanic, Sean Walker. <laughs> are we done with Demon Finn? It seems like a waste of a good character to me if they get rid of it. If they keep it, when do we see it again? So I have a real simple answer for this one. If you guys want to expand more obviously feel free 
as if they're going to call the demon the demon king, please let it be over. <laughs> if you just want to go back to it being called the demon, I'm all uh, I'm, you know, I'm up for it being at SummerSlam. But I do not want to hear Michael Cole talk about the demon king anymore. Anybody else have a, a different answer or a more? Uh, I hope we're not done with the demon character, and I don't think we are. Um, ultimately, when we see it again is when Finn Balor gets a good program. When he gets something like a top-level match in a pay-per-view, you'll see him break it out. Maybe when he gets a good feud, which he hasn't really gotten a lot of re- recently. <laughs> it's my turn. It's your turn. No, it's not. <laughs> so no one for soccer, right? <laughs> no. So, like I say a lot, WWE blew their load. So they saw that it was popular, that he was painted up, and they went too hard with it when he first came up. So I hope we don't see it for a while and he just comes out with his pride flag shirt for more than just this month. Yeah, so you're not anti ever seeing it again. You just don't need to see it for a while. No, yeah. I, I would it's just already been a while. Like, in NXT, it felt important. like, And it was, it meant more when he didn't wear the paint to a takeover. So I feel like it needs to get to that point with WWE. Was the last time he wore the Pumpkin King well, he before he got hurt? He never Bray? got to wear it, he, right? he didn't go Pumpkin. He just went regular Demon that night. He was supposed to against Bray Wyatt. But well, he didn't, didn't he show up on Raw at the end of a show, like, real quick, painted orange? No, I don't think so. I think that was just the render in, okay. the, um, in, the, in the graphic for him versus Bray Wyatt. Remember, Bray got sick, so he had to face AJ. So he went regular demon against AJ. Oh, that's right. He didn't get hurt. It was Bray that got, what was it, like meningitis or something? The mumps or something? And he lost that match, right? No, Finn won. Finn yeah, won. Finn won, beat AJ. So Oops, Finn never lost. No, Finn lost as the demon. Once, against right? Joe, right? Yeah, against Joe. No yeah. Joe this week. No. Surprise. Missed him. Me too. Miss Charlotte more though. <laughs> I don't know what's up with Charlotte. She had, she got her breast fixed. I no, I'm saying got like her breast I fixed. I fall in love with Charlotte for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean she got her breast fixed? She had a, ru- a, ru- she had a ruptured, ruptured implant. implant. She had Second a bum time. implant. Second time. Second time. Yeah. 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 Well, I fell. I fall off a page. <laughs> yeah, you hands off. You <laughs> off. I swear. I've been on that train for a long time now. Been. I have been, but I text prep. You don't even got a coffee mug. I do. For I know. Joey. No, I, I, I always love Paige, but I don't know what it's been. The last, since she became GM, my God, Gorilla. She looks right. great. <laughs> and I'm usually a proponent for curly hair. I love curly hair. But JoJo with the straight hair. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Good heavens. What oh. inqua. But... Uh, <laughs> That's it for tonight. Did you have your answer oh, for the demon? I have no idea what the hell they're doing because it's a money grab for them. And it, it, I always thought me, Eck, and Prep always have the conversation about figures. And I was going to say, when they run out of figure ideas or yeah, they have them come out with new Yeah, paint. it's like they flood <laughs> the market with guys that know they'll sell. So it's AJ, Finn Balor, the Hardys, John Cena. Those are the guys you see the most. And Finn Balor, he has another demon demon figure coming out. So I'm, I'm positive they're not done with him. It's just a matter of When's it important for it to come out? Yeah, like I said, they're going to call it the Demon King. Be done with it. They are. If you're going to stop calling it the Demon King, I'm cool with it whenever. All right, so you ready for Stump Alo? Yeah. I feel like this is going to be a tough one, but for you, maybe not. Um, it's usually reverse. When it feels going to be tough, he nails it. When, that, when that's it feels actually, like it's a layup, he's like, what? It's actually a really good point. Um, all right. In 2013, Team Hell No wrestled the Shield 
Oh, wait a minute. I think he rewrote it. Hold on. Uh, Team Hell No wrestled in many six-man tags throughout 2013. Which superstars joined forces with them to take on the likes of 3MB and The Shield? So who are... He wants you to name six guys who joined Team Hell No in separate six-man tags throughout 2013. There are eight of them. Wait, you said something. Yeah, what about 3MB? They took on 3MB as a three-man tag. Team Hell No and one other superstar. Oh, they took okay. on the shield with another guy okay. joining them. So there were eight guys that, that, they, that they tagged with okay. in six-man tags. Can you name six of those eight WWE superstars? Well, Randy Orton that was teams. one because he was the one. They were the first team that beat the shield. Okay, so that's one. Um, Chris Jericho? Yes. Uh... Was it one Uso? Not listed on here. Okay. Team Hell No. Hmm. Uh, huh. I don't want to just rattle superstars out here. <laughs> That's funny. Just name everybody you can Oh, I- I'm almost positive it was the big show. Uh, Again, not listed. Really? Mm-hmm. You said they team with Team Hell No. Mm-hmm. They were the third member of Team okay. Hell No for, for a night here and there. John Cena. Mm-hmm. Uh, Halfway there. Dolph Ziggler. Nope. Hmm. It really wasn't the big show. Is that shocking? I'm looking to make sure. He had his thing with he had a thing with the shield. <laughs> uh Ryback. Yes. You got four, you need two more. <laughs> uh, I think it would be the ultimate stump Alo if you found out the guys you're saying that he doesn't have down were actually right. <laughs> Seamus. Mm-hmm. One more. One's kind of a layup. Cena wasn't the layup? Not if you ask me. <laughs> So who did I say so far? You said Cena. Do you Ziggler. remember who all he said? I said Cena, Ziggler. Cena, Randy, Ziggler. Well, Ziggler wasn't on there. Oh, Sheamus. Ziggler, Randy, Sheamus. And there was somebody else. Did they said. tag with Ziggler? Oh, and Ryback, you said. Oh, uh, Ryback. You so said I got one more, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you said Jericho. Yeah. So you said Jericho, Orton. Uh, Cena. Cena. And Ryback. Ryback. And there's one more that we're not saying that he said. Did you say Seamus already? Mm, no, so that's the five. Okay, so one more. So Cena, Seamus, Orton, Ryback, Jericho. You need one more. And there are three to choose from. Really? You, and you said 2013 was the year? 2013. Okay, so that uh, was WrestleMania 29 season. Was it 29 season? Yeah, Cena was, Cena was a champion that year. It wasn't Punk, right? I didn't think so. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. 
12. I'm missing one other guy, and I don't know if he's going to hit that. Oh, The Undertaker. Mm-mm. He did, but I don't know if that was 2013. That was in 2013. It wasn't? Mm-hmm. I don't know. All I know No, is... I just went through the whole 2013, oh, yeah? and I only see one other person. Because he had the Mohawk. And Team Hell No ended in 2013. Yeah, I don't know. I just know he's not written down here. I don't know what year it was, but it was he was... Te- um, Undertaker was part... Yeah, that was 2013. Was it? Yeah. Let me see. Well, I guess I gotta <laughs> give it to you if I if, if you if you're proving it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the Undertaker. The take other, the only other person I saw. Or are, are you giving them? Extra I was gonna credit? say just take three more guesses to see if you can get any of the three he had down. I mean, I, I wouldn't worry about it because I'm giving you the win. Yeah, that's the Undertaker. But um, Mark Henry. No. <laughs> Orton. I said Orton already. Wrong black dude. <laughs> <laughs> I say black. No, I'm talking to him. It's not ready for my brethren in WWE. <laughs> um, there are two black dudes out of the three. I already said Mark Henry. Mm-hmm, not him. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> One should come to mind just I because know. you're looking at me right <laughs> What's now. What's up? Damn. <laughs> Who's my favorite black guy in WWE history? Our truth. Yeah. Our <laughs> truth and uh, the Miz. I don't know. Kofi. Kofi. And Alberto Del Rio was the other one. So you got six. Um, I'm curious. Alberto Del Rio. <laughs> He was a face that year. I'm curious what Laugh's feedback is going to be on this it's segment of Stump He might give us a hard time. Yeah, I, I kind of hope he does. Uh, <laughs> but excellent work as always. You got more of them faster than I expected. Yeah, I so that was I stumped Laugh on his own Stump You may have. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even see Taker. No, no, yeah, uh, yeah, it was, yeah. Was it a house show? Mm, it was a SmackDown. It was, yeah, it was a... It was a Raw and a SmackDown. Regular, it, regular it, TV it show. Uh, all right, so I guess that is the show. Um... Thank you to Zeta Zhang for coming on and doing the interview with us. Uh, thank you, Laugh, Sean, and what was the uh, other talk show that asked the, the World Real Cup Wrestling question? Chat. The Real Wrestling Chat talk show. Thank you to you guys for the question. Um, LeBron, if you go to the Lakers, you may not be invited on the show anymore. <laughs> It'll be canceled. You may have to do the interview solely with Halo uh, if, if you go to the Lakers. And um, I might not even do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so check out Falls Count Anywhere. Check out The Perfect Edge. Throwback Madness. Unsanctioned Libraries. They're there on iTunes if you want to listen to them. Subscribe on iTunes. Five-star ratings and reviews. Elroy preps it on YouTube. Uh, for Mr. Sexy Punakana, then now forever C. Kane Joe Rottermill. If you need any counseling for the loss of Cass and Enzo, you know how to reach me. <laughs> for Preptagon Jr., Josh Prepiguina. Miss you guys. <laughs> and for Mr. Wednesday Night Live, we call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo, Aaron Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery. We will see you next week. Got him now, put him down right now, hit him with the palm handle.
tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again, fans marking man. Man, I hate my balls. Shut the Vince McMahon, it ain't shake the land off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.